to a new episode of Medici podcast. Today I'm with a guest from Australia. She's been on this podcast before, a year and a half ago. Her name is Vian and uh, I want to welcome her. Thank you for being here today. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. How have you been? Good. It's been a long time since we've talked. Maybe like a year now? Like Yeah, has it been a year? Yeah. I think it's been almost a year, even more maybe. A year and a half, yeah. Our podcast was in February wow. 2021. Wow. <laughs> just during COVID, sort of. Just exactly. after, during, in, in the, the middle. Midst of it, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, wow. Well, things have changed since. <laughs> Many imagine. things have changed since, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, I remember yeah. that. It was a weird time to trade, but also to live through. Especially. Yeah, that's right. It was definitely a weird time to live through. I think the world has definitely changed since and I think it's still expecting more changes to come especially in the financial world of you know of everything yeah I agree are the changes evident to you personally do they affect you as in in the economy sure yeah um for me personally they don't really affect me I mm. like which I'll probably talk about later but yeah a lot of as you can see, a lot of bear markets seem to be coming up now and, and stocks are starting to drop a lot and, mm -hmm. you know, crypto. I actually sold everything last September. So I, for me, this doesn't affect me because obviously, as you know, I'm a CFD trader, so I'm longing and shorting the market. So yeah. I don't care what market we're in. I like bear markets personally because I find them much easier to trade. I find them easier to make money in a bear market. But, um, yeah. So I don't mind this this kind of time. I'm just waiting for that, yeah. you know, yeah, no, the I'm... cycle to be over. Exactly, exactly. No, I'm somewhat in the same boat, so I get you there. Yeah. Um, let's hop into the first question. Um, so a year ago, you demonstrated us and explained to us a bit of how you trade your gold. Um, mm -hmm because everybody should know by now that you're a master gold trader pretty much um, thank you and due to the changes in the market how did your trading change if it did change since a year ago um it's actually changed a lot mm -hmm. um i'm a big believer in adapting to the market and what like the way the market is you've always as a good trader you have to understand and and learn to adapt to what you know, the circumstances are. For me, that meant actually not trying to catch bigger trades, even though they're there and the scenarios are there. But I just felt for me personally, I was benefiting more from catching smaller moves. And those smaller moves say, if my target used to be 100 pips in a day, it can still be 100 pips in a day, but I might take five scalp trades of 20 pips at a time. And then my, my daily targets, you know, complete. And anything above that target is like a bonus. So I've been scalping a lot. Um, and often I will catch anywhere between instead of what I used to catch, which was 100 pips in a day, or that was my goal. And if I caught that, I would be done at the moment while scalping because I'm taking so many smaller movements of, of 20 pips to 50 pip trades. Mm -hmm. I'm actually making between um, 100 and anywhere to like 300 pips in a night 
Um, so for me, that's, that's like incredible. I didn't think that I would ever be that type of trader, but I've actually benefited a lot from it because one, I found it super easy. Um, I don't have to stay up till the early, well, I still do, but I don't have to stay up till the early hours of the morning waiting for New York session and trying to find that hundred pips. Two, if I miss that hundred pips, like I, like sometimes I would before, say I missed it that night because I missed my entry or something like that, that doesn't even happen anymore because I can literally trade every session of the day now. Yeah. Um, because let's face it, gold is doing 20 pips in every day. Like mm. it does in every session, it, it pretty much does more than that. So, mm. um, you know, and 20 pips is like that minimum. Yeah. Um, so it's just been so much easier. Like I use my strategy as a full, and I also use a little scout strategy that I've been using for the last 12 months that works literally amazing. Mm -hmm. I, um, I did like over a hundred trades. I've literally got two or three wrong. It was wow. just like the wow. win rates, not normal. So I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> so wow. I don't know if I'm even going to transition back to being an intraday, but the cool thing is, is even while I'm scalping, I still see my hundred pip move and I will always hold another position. Cause I'll open like now as a, like as a scalper, I've been opening five to six positions at times because I'll break up my lot sizes. I'll divide it by five and spread my risk out. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I'll sometimes I'll still see my hundred pip move because it always happens at the same time every night. And I'll hold that one to, to the hundred pips. So I'll then get a bonus a hundred pips on top of my scalps, which is really cool. Yeah, so smart. yeah. Yeah. I've been really, really enjoying it. And I don't know if I'm going to go back to how, like just that hundred pip intraday trades or swing trading. I mean, I love to catch a swing, but for me personally, and I'm not afraid to admit this, it is difficult because holding for me is like the hardest thing when it comes to like CFD trading. Um, when it comes to spot, I can hold, but what, yeah. what we do, I, I just, I really struggle holding. Like I've probably done it twice in the last 12 months and like okay. that that was a big achievement <laughs> yeah right so um because you hold like you struggle holding that's what kind of made you change to go to scalping or how did you actually open up your eyes towards that um i it was actually during um sort of that i seen a lot of volatile kind of moves especially mm. when it came down to when that war came out at the beginning of the year that was the one thing that really pushed me to scalping because mm -hmm. that was difficult to trade as easy as it looked i mean market technical analysis was still playing out funny mm. enough mm. um during that you know that russian war move when gold spiked up to the all-time high yeah. I mean, you had levels of resistance break and they were all retesting perfectly. And it was like market structure was playing out easily. Mm -hmm. But the problem with trading it and the really difficult thing about trading it was every one minute candle was doing 50 to 60 pips at a time in yeah. one minute. Wow. So you had these, yeah. these pullbacks of 50 to 60 pips at a time. So therefore, if you didn't perfect that entry, you would have been straight into this drawdown. And it was... It was very difficult and stressful at times because I, did, I didn't trade a lot of it, to be honest. Um, so that's what kind of pushed me into scalping. Another thing was like there were many nights out of the week that 
I was like stopped out at break even because even though I'd catch my 100 pips, I wouldn't take profits and I'd want to hold for like a longer run thinking there was a swing there. Mm. And I ended up at zero and I was like for the day and I, I just thought, why do I do this? Like I had 100 pips. So I just thought, you know what, if I put my mind into, you know, the, the mentality of a scalper, maybe like and just taking profits every opportunity i can i actually made so much more money in the last 12 months than i ever have trading okay in that 12 month period just from scalping so i i definitely saw a massive 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 difference yeah it does yeah. it does take a lot of mental kind of time you like you, you can't leave the computer it's not when i scalp i i literally can't do anything else like i need to have my full focus on the screen I've yeah. got like my MT4 on the computer. I've even got it on my phone. Like <laughs> I, I've got the trading view on the other screen. Like I'm on the ball because you're catching small moves. So even if it wicks in the opposite direction, you've got to be ready to shut. Um, but maybe so then, yeah, that's... maybe as a person, then your character traits tend towards more like a scalper than a uh, intraday trader. So you maybe found yourself better. So yeah, you developed I definitely have been performing better. Yeah. That's I still, good. I still, yeah, I still teach like my strategy still complements intraday to swing trading. Yeah. Um, but I'm a personal believer is once you can master those two, you can really do anything. Like if you, if you can swing or, or understand intraday, yeah. you can easily scout because you know, what's the overall picture all the time. So I think those things are really important to master. Yeah, and I mean, price is also fractal, so it always like repeats. So if you're doing something like exactly. intraday, you can do it on a scalp. Exactly. But That's you, right. But you wouldn't say that beginning traders should get into scalping what you're kind of doing. That's kind of too hectic, would you say, or not? Um, I personally think as a beginner, you should be learning the bigger moves just because it's about when you're starting trading, it's really about understanding the market as a whole, not those small little pushes like I'm talking about the tiniest push it's like a two dollar move on gold yeah if you like anyone can look at a chart and be like they can they can literally guess that the next candle is going to go up two dollars or down two dollars right yeah like it's it's one candle that's all it is you're literally guessing what the next candle will be and that's your trade <laughs> but that's not and and essentially that's not that's not trading you know when you understand the market as a whole that's going to make you a good trader because you can't live life guessing what candle's going to be what because yeah. you're going to fail. Of course. Right? Yeah. So like when I'm trading, I'm using all my intraday methods. I'm using everything I know even when I'm scalping. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot to it. It's you're understanding so many different aspects of the market and putting it into one and you're still using them to make your decisions. Mm -hmm. I still believe that is so important because that that's why I have that win rate. That's why my trades Pretty much always hit my take profit targets that's literally why because i'm using everything and combining it together to make my decisions and it's called market structure my advanced strategies um there's these other things that i use with scalping mm -hmm. um and then pairing that with looking at all the time frames i'm not just looking at a one minute and a five minute mm -hmm. uh, i'm looking at all of them mm -hmm. because i'm making my decision based off everything and i'm doing that very quickly but after years i think what happens is and and as a beginner you'll struggle with this but after a few years your brain starts to just see what you're looking for on the charts it, it doesn't become a 
process of sitting there and looking at the charts for 20 minutes to then make a decision. Mm-hmm. It becomes, you know, what's going on. You see what's happening. You see the market structure clearly. And I think that is a process of training the mind because I always say it's like this. It's like when you get in a car and you drive, mm-hmm. you know how to drive. You, you don't think about it. You can talk to your friends. You can turn the music up. You can think about what you're doing on the weekend and you're still, your brain is still driving. Yeah. And I always think like, and I've seen this from my own experience is tradings. When you're analyzing the charts, it's a bit similar. I can go look at the charts and I know what I'm looking at. I know what I'm seeing. I'll, I'll mark those levels. It will literally take me 10, five minutes, maybe 10 minutes max to analyze what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, for that day. Like, yeah. I'm not talking about for that trade. I'm talking about for that day. So it's, um, exactly. yeah, it's a bit of like, yeah, it's it's a bit like that when it comes to analysis and, and understanding. Yeah, I totally get you. It's, you know what you're looking for. It's, there's a clear intention and um, mm. you're not making anything up to kind of have a bias towards a trade. You just react on what the market's doing and it's, it's a quick thing, I think. What a lot of people misconcept is that you need to sit there for hours trying to pull something out when there's maybe the market's not showing you anything. So that's right. Less screen time, essentially, or less effort sometimes actually brings more results. Yeah, that's right. Did you add any new assets to your trading except for gold, like silver, for <laughs> example, considering the world situation? No, no. Why? So um, I. I, I just, I'm good at what I do with gold. Like I, I understand gold inside out, you know, looking at something else will give me anxiety straight. <laughs> I'll be like, what is this? What is this chart? I've never seen it. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I just, it's like I'm cheating on gold. <laughs> I, look at something else. <laughs> I feel like I'm cheating on it. Uh, um, in terms of silver, I actually like, they're quite similar, but there are a few factors that have limited my trading from silver. They do behave a little bit different. If you look in history, like they are similar and they do move similar. That's correct. Mm -hmm. However, when it comes to tough times, like, you know, when the economy goes through a recession, for example, Mm -hmm. silver doesn't behave the same as gold, essentially. Like what silver actually does, and it's really weird, it drops. Mm -hmm. Um, But when, when we go into a recession, instead of the metal pushing up, which it should, right? Mm-hmm. As a safe haven, yeah. it actually drops. And and the reason why, what I think the reason is, is something to do with, um, so basically if the economy goes into a recession, there's a limit, like people don't need the um, silver, like in terms of the, the like industry, industrial kind of sector and stuff yeah so uh, there's less demand for it okay because you know jobs slow down and all that stuff so i think it's got to do with that um but it's just something i've noticed if you look back in history and you go back to silver you'll see that whenever there's some massive economic instability gold seems to go up and silver actually does a drop whether it goes up later is different Mm-hmm. but actually usually drops. And I think that's because of the demand of that. I, I feel like it's there because you know, when a recession happens, that industrial sector kind of slows down a lot. And, yeah. and, and that therefore I think the demand for silver slows down. Yeah. 
So I think it has something to do with that. That's interesting. Um, so, yeah, so I think because I just don't fully understand it, I don't want to dabble into it, especially because, um, yeah, I don't find them exactly the same. Okay, and for example, it's taking the Russo-Ukraine war. It's, I'm looking at the chart now. I mean, it didn't go up as much as gold did, for example. That's so right. It's interesting yeah. to see that correlation or yeah, mismatch in correlation. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think there's a definitely a, a large decrease of demand in industrial use for silver when there's like a recession. So, mm. and and we see that in history, the behaviors are different mm -hmm. when when things going on in the world. And if you're going into trading silver and thinking it's going to be the same as gold, you're going to going to come across a little slap in the face here and there because <laughs> it's not always. <laughs> It's not going to do what you think. Yeah. <laughs> so, so completely two different uh, assets, and you know, it makes sense why you don't mm. touch silver as well. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Before we dive into fundamentals, I just want to ask quite a generic question. What do you think differentiates mm -hmm. you from all the other gold traders and fail to trade gold? What makes you inherently profitable? Um, I. Oh, it's a t that's a hard question. And I'll tell you why, because I'm talking about myself. Because so, <laughs> I, I literally look at how I trade. I'm like, how could you trade any different? Um, I think it's just, <laughs> I think, I'm not trying to be like up myself. I'm just saying, but um, when you're like, I feel like the strategy I use gives me a big, um, you know, step ahead from the crowd, I think. Um, another thing with that is I think experience is really big with trading. Yeah. I've made a lot of mistakes and I've been through the hard yards with trading. Mm -hmm. I failed a lot, you know, in my first few years of trading, yeah. I, I did mess up bad and it was persistence and determination to actually get it right. And it was, you know, controlling my risk a little bit more. It was figuring out ways to maneuver through those mistakes and finding solutions for each one of them. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest thing for me, and I know a lot of people say this and then people go, oh, that's what every mentor says. But if you have experience, it is game changing. And, and, and this is something I've actually spoken to one of my students about. I said, um, there's something about when I'm trading that I can't explain. And it's like when I see something, I can't always explain why I see it. Mm -hmm. I'm just seeing it. Mm -hmm. And you know what he said to me? He said, me too. And I just thought, okay, so it's not just, I'm not just like retarded, <laughs> like stupid. <laughs> um, like in saying that, like I'm not just seeing things, like it's not just me. Um, and he's like, I, that's the same thing for me. You know, I, I see something, I can't explain why I see it and it always works out. And I think it's like, when you're looking at all these patterns every single day on these charts. Yeah, it's pattern recognition. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it's like you've seen this movement happen before. Mm -hmm. So you know exactly how it's going to behave next. And I think, yeah, I think experience is a big thing. I think another big thing is um, risk management. I don't have expectations to make a million dollars in one trade, whereas I think other traders have this expectation to do a lot more than their means yeah. um, and they end up over risking and blowing their accounts. So I think I've seen that happen a lot. Um, I think another thing is just having, yeah, it, a lot of it comes down to experience in my opinion and 
whenever someone comes to me and they say to me, I really want to learn how to trade, I say, this is not an easy journey. I can teach you X, Y, and Z, but it doesn't mean you can execute the same way X, Y, and Z is done because your execution is the biggest thing. You know, you can learn everything. You can have the best knowledge in the world and you can't execute. You know what I mean? You could be the smartest analyst and you can't execute. You, You can you can pick every gold move and you still struggle to execute. Yep. So I think execution is a big thing. I think having, you know, um, your psychology in check, like your mind, I think that also pushes me ahead of a lot of other traders. Mm-hmm. Psychology doesn't get to me like it did a few years ago. Um, like I don't have psychological barriers anymore. Like, I used to, like I used to take a loss and I would keep trading to make that back. Now I couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were things that I gained over experience because I knew in the past, if I let psychology get to my trading, I'll lose money and yeah. I can't do that. So it, it was like, it, maybe call it trauma. When you go through trauma, you don't want to go through it again. So you don't make yeah. the mistake again. Yeah. Right. So it's, um, I think that's a big thing. And that also comes back to experience without experiencing those things. You're not going to understand. I can go and tell, uh, you know, the, the next, you know, trader that comes to me and asks for advice, like, how do I fix my psychology? I can tell them you do this, this, and this, are they going to do it? I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. because they don't know what it feels like to experience that pain of losing when they make that mistake yeah. for them to then go, let me fix it. And I think that's just part of the human mind. Yeah. Um, and, and their mistakes are linked to their previous traumas, which are non-related to you. Every person has different that's right. traumas. So you can't really. That's apply. right. Yeah. And I think as well, like the, um, the fact that I only trade gold just gives me a bit of an edge, I think, because I'm literally watching this chart and the price of this one asset every single day of my life. I mean, yeah, um, yeah you, you pretty much become a master of it simply because you spend so much yeah. time on it. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, I think that answers your question. It definitely does. It definitely does. I mean, I think now we can get into the more fundamental side of things. Um, so Q1 was quite a uh, hefty uh, quarter, to say the least, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you say gold acted fundamental, like on the fundamental news and how was it respecting levels during all those news? How was it trading Q1 for you? Um, like I mentioned before, there was a lot of, um, you know, market structure playing out really well. So it yeah. was, levels were being respected, whether traders want to believe that or not, they were you know, so like levels were breaking, they were all getting retested. Mm-hmm. Um, it mm-hmm. went to the swing high, the absolute all time high, and it rejected it. That's mm-hmm. a resistance level. So, I mean, that everything was kind of getting respected. The only difference was it was very quick the way it was happening. Mm-hmm. Instead of having uh, two minutes to think about your decision, you needed 30 seconds to think about your decision mm-hmm. because it was just way too quick. So it was difficult. Um, definitely after it hit the high. Um, so I didn't trade as much when it went up to the all time high, um, just because the first few trades I took, I made a few mistakes and I just thought, I can't do this. This is too quick for me. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, I actually don't know how people are trading this right now. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going through. And, and once it hit that all time high, I actually started shorting. Um, and I performed really well from that point on to now. So, um, 
I found, yeah, that bull run. And I think that that goes to say as well, whenever gold likes to push up, I trade a lot less. When gold starts to push down, I start performing a lot more, like, and I trade a lot more. And, um, you know, my level of trading activity increases because I think I perform better when there's nice sell-offs. So that sell-off was really enjoyable for me. I did take really nice trades on the way down. Um, Even the pullbacks I was catching because I've been scalping. So that's been awesome as well. Um, But yeah, technically speaking, everything was fueled by, you know, the Ukraine and Russian tension, you know, that fundamentally was all driven. It wasn't, yes, it wasn't a technical move. It was fundamental. However, technicals were respecting that. And I do find that happens often. Um, I find that because I don't follow fundamentals as much. Mm -hmm. I always like to have a broader spectrum of what's going on. So I understand why things may happen when they happen. Mm -hmm. However, in terms of my intraday trades and my scalps or whatever it may be, I'm not going on to Forex Factory and checking the calendar as much as I used to, just because I find it a bit of noise for me. Like for example, last night, um, news came out negative for the US dollar, which means technically gold should push up. I was seeing sales technically. So I was shorting it and fair to say gold dropped. So, um, and it went all the way down to my target. So if I was to go and look at that news, I just feel like it will kind of scare me a bit. And I'm, I'm experienced enough to understand what does happen. It does pop up a little bit and then it will continue doing what technicals are showing. So, um, that doesn't go to say that I don't believe in, in fundamental or following it. I think it's important as a beginner, just so you don't get caught out in spikes. Um, yeah. Once you start, yeah. When, once you start to understand the behavior, when these news comes out, you probably will check it a lot less. Like to me, it's noise. I, I don't want to see the noise because it will affect my trading. I might get scared or something. Yeah. So, like, you, like you just said, you know, spiked up essentially like in price action, it just had to fulfill liquidity areas or blocks for it to grab liquidity to continue down lower. And yeah, that's from right. I, from what I understand how you trade and why you shorted gold of the all time highs, it was easier for you to spot where the liquidity blocks were created rather than guessing where the stop would be when it's in a bull run. Yeah, so. that's right. And, and another thing was, is when it did reach that all time mm-hmm. high, you did get like understanding that macroeconomic kind of side. Um, understanding that, okay, there's inflation, the Fed's going to come out and they started announcing really aggressive monetary policy, like a tightening plan um, for the weeks and months ahead. So that's already telling you something. And there's an increase in interest rates coming. That's what they were talking about. Um, The cost of holding gold with all this is going to be higher. So what's going to happen? It's going to drive the price down. So another thing that's really interesting, and I'm sure a lot of the viewers will find this interesting to note and look back on, is whenever you get this fundamental push, you're going to get a correction. I've seen it happen every single time. Where was that correction to? It was roughly to around 1780, 1800 was that pre-Ukraine-Russian war thing. That was that flat support, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, what did it do when it reached the all-time high? It corrected itself all the way back. Did I expect that to happen? 100%. Because when you go back to COVID, 
whether that correction takes a week or two weeks or it takes months, it still happens. When COVID happened, pre-COVID price of gold was 1680, I think mm -hmm. roughly. Yeah. Okay, gold's pushed up to 2000 something. Where did it correct? It corrected back to 1680 and that was that flat support. It always corrects itself. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I remember, I, I specifically remember when gold hit 1680 because I was buying there knowing that that support was, would hold strong mm -hmm. um, and knowing it was that pre-COVID price. And mm -hmm. that, that thing did over 2000 pips. Yeah. I didn't hold it all the way, but, you know, I was buying from that level and I, I specifically remember it. It went down and tapped it three times in roughly yeah, like 12 I'm months. The chart now, yeah, it did to the T actually. And um, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. those, those pre, you know, fundamental moves like that fundamental push that to me as well, it's all noise. It's yeah. going to come back. Yeah. you know, and, and those people as well, oh, I missed the move. I missed the move. You didn't, it's going to come back. It yeah. always does. Yeah, that's so true. Um, just quick uh, sidetrack here. I mean, with crypto, that's exactly what's going on right now. There's a lot of talks mm -hmm. about what's going on, but at the end of the day, there's still going to be retracements. And, you know, those are the moves that we inherently catch as crypto traders, not the main move on the fundamental news, but the exact retracement. So it goes hand in hand with how you trade gold. That's right. And, and the fact that um, this Russian-Ukraine war happened, the reason why gold was pushing to these highs was because there are a few things, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gold's a safe haven. That's yeah. number one. Yeah. You know, it's clear as day. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that. It's a safe haven asset. So, so when, yeah, yeah, when these... Yeah. That's right. It, yeah. It's going to push up because yeah. people are in fear. The yeah. second thing was... The reason why this push was that strong is because Russia's one of the, I think it's the top three pro largest producers of gold in the world. And these sanctions that were put by Western countries against Russia place invest investors to think, okay, the supply is going to start to get stiffened. Yeah. Um, and then when supply drops, we all know that, you know, the costs will rise. Yeah. So I think that was a big part in that initial push as well. Mm -hmm. And can you maybe um, like for me, it's not that evident or I don't understand potentially, but w what happened from uh, what was the inherent reason from the drop again, not not only due to inflation and uh, the increase in uh, cost to hold gold, the drop from 2000 to 1800 aside from the. OK, one, it's correcting the move. Mm -hmm. OK, two it had the stimulus from um, the monetary policy tightening plan. Mm -hmm. Okay. So mm -hmm. it, it, it was almost evident that, that the U S were going to increase interest rates and they're going to do it extremely like strong. Like they're going to come yeah. in hard and heavy. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be aggressive. That's yeah. the word. Yeah. Um, and, and in that case, that move is going to get corrected and then you have the stimulus to pull, pull it down. So um, when you pair all those things together, that's what happens. It, it, like for mm -hmm. gold to break an all-time high, it's going to take a lot more than this, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. and, and you've got opposing, like com conflicting ideas of what's going on in the world that are driving the price of gold. Yeah. So it's not just going to go in one straight line if there's things trying to pull it back. Mm -hmm. um, if gold does want to 
go break all-time highs later this year, that's fine. It can do that. Do I see that happening? Like there's always a potential and it will depend on major factors for me. There will be a, like other things to look for, certain levels to break before I even think that's an opportunity, like a possibility. Yeah. But what I would like to see is, is the price of gold actually come down a bit. I do believe by the end of the year, like I'd like to see it come down and if not stabilize around that 1900 mark. Okay. So you do see it uh, come down. Still. I would like to, yes, I, I would definitely would like to see gold come down quite a bit. Okay. And, and I mean, we're at a pivotal point right now that 1800 region is very pivotal, yeah. you know, to, if we get some strong daily closures below that level, we can open the doors to that 17, 60 area you know uh 1780 1760 so those it is at a pivotal mark right now okay and and how do you think the bull run the gold bull run in december would be this year or if there would be any at all um if you have a look at the past few years we've actually been going sideways quite a lot yeah um (laughs) and we are we are still technically overall in a bullish market on gold. Mm-hmm. So there is room for another push. But another factor just to to put in your mind, technically looking at gold is we did do a double top at the all time high. Yeah. Um, that's quite significant. So we'll have to wait and see for December. We'll see where price has, what has happened before December, right before to then make that judgment. Um, I always say, when it comes to forecasting the market, you can have ideas about what may happen, yeah. but never have a yeah. solid, this is going to happen of idea course. because yeah. you have to let the market show you. If you can adapt to what the market shows you, you're going to be an overall better trader mm-hmm. always. Yeah, more reactionary than uh, yeah. kind of, yeah, um, I forgot the word. It's um, yeah, reactionary instead of trying to predict. That's right. Um, let's talk a little bit about the general economy. Um, so you've mm-hmm. uh, mentioned the U.S. I mean, the U.S. has mentioned that they wanted four rate hikes this year. Um, do you think this will go through? Yes, I think that's that's their Band-Aid fix, right? So I, I do think they're going to continue to increase interest rates. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really look at what the Fed's doing, it, it's uh, they're, they're making a mess. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're at a point where they can't recover what they've done. And all they're doing is try trying to put a bandaid on everything. And and they're really trying to control inflation because it's becoming uncontrollable (laughs) inflation. Yeah. Yeah. Like we are like, for example, we've had this massive bullish cycle and now you're seeing over 20% drops from highs on the S and P on, on the U S 30. Like, yeah, that's like the number one. I mean, to some people, it's the number one indicator of a bear market. Yeah. I mean, that's the textbook yeah. kind of version of it. Right. But it, it makes sense with what's going on in the world. Yeah. Like if you look yeah. at what's happened in history, we've never had anything like this. And for the past two to three years, your everyday citizen call it or everyday person has not been able to see what's actually happening because they've been so preoccupied with wearing face masks and getting vaccinated and social distancing and not getting sick. They actually haven't opened their eyes to what's really going on. But in saying this, I believe we're about to step into a time in history where there's going to be some of the biggest opportunities on the table 
and they're going to present themselves to the people who are ready which are people like you know me and you who understand the economy and what's going on i think i think um, in, in essence yes people like me and you but also people with assets and and you know capital that can capitalize on this because let's let's mm -hmm. take into account what happened for example with the between us russia and the ukraine war so um, for people out there, I don't know if you know, but Russia is, for example, the biggest exporter of wheat uh, in the world. Yes. And um, b due to the war um, in Africa, for example, the prices for staple foods has increased, I think, by 15 or 10 percent. So we mm -hmm. there's famine going on in like in Africa, but also like in countries like Egypt, where the prices of yeah. staple foods increased by 30 percent. So I also see a a quite negative turn where the poor 100% will really really kind of be affected yeah but the rich will get richer and yeah, um and 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 with saying that when these oil prices i think something happened with biden he like stopped the well, I don't know, the extraction of oil or something. I I read a little bit about it. Yeah, I've heard of that as well or I heard something about Libya that there's a they stopped extracting oil from there as well or producing, but he's also pulling and, and out a lot of oil from the reserves. I've heard. That's right, and and to be honest, when you increase the price of oil, like doesn't fertilizer increase, and then how do you get crops and food? Like it becomes more expensive mm -hmm. because the cost of it, it's a knock-on effect. Yeah, and of course. That's what yeah, I mean. Yeah. We're, so we're we're in this bubble. And this bubble has been growing since like the 1970s when they started printing money. I think it was the 1970s. Yeah. Um, and, and what happened in 2000 when the market crashed? Did they fix the problem? No, they didn't fix the problem. When the market yeah. got, uh, the bubble got bigger and bigger and bigger. When the 2008 crash happened, did they fix the problem? No, they didn't fix the problem. And this bubble has been growing and growing and growing. Mm -hmm. The real estate market therefore has been booming, mm -hmm. bond market booms, everything starts booming. And this bubble keeps growing over the last, what, 20 years, okay, or more, right? Yeah. So we've been in a bubble for that long. This bubble is an elastic bubble <laughs> that is going to pop. It's going to burst. It is. So what they keep doing is inflating this bubble bigger and bigger and printing more and more money. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen is that bubble is going to burst. The economy is dying, you know, and the Fed can't control the situation. All they know to do is increase interest rates as they print. And that's to me, that, that's the biggest Band-Aid fix. And this has all gone so far now. In 2022, we have, we're so far deep in this problem that it can't, be, it, it can't be fixed. The only way this is going to be fixed is like luck. <laughs> Literally, you're going to need luck. Like that's, that's it. And, and instead of the Fed fixing these problems, they just keep making them worse. And, and yeah. we, we'll, we'll speak about BTC in a minute, but like yeah, we will, yeah. Things, yeah. Like, things like Bitcoin are getting halved every four years, right? Which yeah. essentially yeah. means that, you know, there's the limited supply of new coins mined. Mm -hmm. And so the, as long as the demand is there, the price should remain strong. Correct. And then you've got the Fed printing trillions of dollars. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay. So how do you, how do you <laughs> something's think, not right? But how do you think this debt, or what do you think is going to happen? How do you think? What do you think there's going to be a reset? Do you think what? Will I think there's going to be a big, big, big 
market crash and recession may happen, but I think it's going to be different to, you know, other, other recessions. Like in what regard? if we like previously in history, when we've had sort of a recession, there's yeah. been, it's not going to be like the great depression because when you look in history, these recessions are caused by a massive halt in the economy or something blowing up. Like, for example, the housing market crisis, that was because of something that happened. That was like uh, credit credit defaults on mortgages or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a reason behind it. You couldn't predict it happening, right? No, like it was almost except the guy from the big short, it was almost impossible. Yeah. It was almost impossible to, to predict that, that situation, you know, like right now. But do you think it wasn't, sorry that I, sorry that I uh, interrupted, but maybe it wasn't not possible to predict. Maybe it was just negligence, bare negligence. Yeah. A bit of, yeah, a bit of that, but it it was also like, it, it wasn't something that would easily like, you know, spot out, I, I would say, you know, so that recession was, you know, came into place because like of something big that happened, right? Okay. This one coming that I, I personally think that we're in and we're going to get deeper in is something purely induced by the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think there will be the big, like big spike of unemployment rates like before. And I don't think it will be as severe, but if, like anything of this nature is to happen, it's it's going to be very different to what the world has experienced before. And I think that's because this is from a real big buildup over the last 20 plus years of what you said, negligence to the economic system and the financial system. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I think it's going to be maybe even next year till it really kicks in for a lot of people. Like the world economy is in danger and the Fed seems to be struggling to control it, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I was thinking potentially how I see this paradigm in the fourth industrial revolution, we should call it, where potentially you say there's not going to be huge amounts of unemployment, but slowly and steadily these rapid technological advancements will start uh, replacing people's jobs where we'll Mm -hmm. turn into economy where there's going to be a UBI uh, based on the, you know, there will be taxations on the AIs and robots that do jobs uh, that are going to take over jobs of the normal people. And the normal people will be paid out the universal basic income. Maybe that kind of a subtle, a subtle rollover into such economy is possible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. To some extent. Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's yeah sorry my, my biggest question is where's the debt gonna go because right we know that the u.s for example is giving uh foreign aid to countries such as russia uh, not russia ukraine for example they invested 50 billion uh u.s but that is actually a high interest loan you know they get money of that investment in debting ukraine into this war like they won't pay off their debt but like where is the debt i'll going? just they're never going to pay this debt. <laughs> they're in the biggest debt in history. You know, they're never, that's not, that's not going anywhere. 
you know, it's always going to be there. Like, right. do you know what, do you want, you want to know the funniest part? I've, I've heard this story hmm. that the, the fed keep printing this money. Right. And they want the stock market to keep pulling up over the last few years. So what they've been doing is like little dodgy side deals with big CEOs of companies and actually loaning them billions of dollars to push the stock market prices up, you know, because yeah. they have so much money, like they, they keep printing it. Yeah. So they're just loaning it to companies to push stocks up. Why do you think stocks have been going to all-time highs? Like big companies, like the US 30s skyrocketed over the like, all-time highs. It just kept pushing. It didn't stop. I mean, I that's mean, because, yeah, of course. And, and that's fueling this big, big burst that's about to happen. They are literally damaging the ecosystem of the financial economy. Yeah, of course. And and they did that exactly with the stimulus. It's tech. fraud. Well, it's yeah. fraud. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but they can get away with it because they're the ones in this, exactly in charge of this whole system. Yeah, it's it's yeah, you're uh -huh. absolutely right. Um, no, I, I think inflation is going to go uh, way out of line for the US still in the coming six to 12 months. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, like the, like inflation's at the highest it's been in 40 years. Yeah. Like, you know, they've already, I think they've increased it by like 0.75 basis points. I can't remember the top of my head, but, um, I do see more increases like we mentioned before. Hmm. So it's, you know, it's funny because the sharp increase of interest rates is used to overcome the inflation. Um, but I just don't think don't it's think going to work. be able. No, I don't yeah. think it will work. There's going to be a tipping point. Yeah, do, do you think I agree. Hyperinflation yeah. is a possibility. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> At this rate, anything. I mean, yeah, anything is hyperinflation in some countries. Yeah. That's right. I mean, look, look at, look at countries like, um, Argentina, oh, yeah. Lebanon, like yeah. they're all pretty yeah. much gone to shit. Like oh. there's no other way to put it. Like it, oh. it's so bad now. Like those countries are becoming almost nothing. Yeah. They are almost nothing now. And it's really sad to see, yeah. you know? Okay. We've talked about all these bad stuff, but okay. Let's talk from an investment point of view of our knowledge. What are some good things that we can take away from this and how can we actually gain from all of this that's about to happen? So um, this is pretty much what I personally believe is like a, a retake of the dot-com era. I've mm. spoken about this so much over the last 12 months, that dot-com era, people don't remember this was happening. Mm -hmm. and, and that comes to things like, cryptocurrency as well like comes into place you know we had the dot-com era this is like the crypto era yeah and and i think this is where a lot of the next generational wealth is made it's made in these times of destruction pretty much because people who have capital and have money start investing at you know they start buying up really cheap everything really cheap and in the next five to ten years when everything starts skyrocketing they're the ones who have made money, but most people are living in fear right now. And most people, you know, your everyday person is, is scared when they see markets drop because fear is a very strong emotion. Yep. So while everyone's yep. getting scared, I'm getting excited. <laughs> no, exactly the same. I mean, 
Um, I'm honestly getting so excited. I've been waiting for this time for so long. You know, I, I didn't buy during these bull runs. I didn't buy anything. I mm. honestly, like I bought some dips on crypto and I cashed out quite quickly. And I, I kept telling myself, I'm going to get an opportunity. I will get this opportunity. I know I keep saying it. What if it does? Like you get those doubts. What if it doesn't happen? Like what if this keeps going up and you're like, no, that's stupid thinking. No, it, like, it is going to come back it down. Comes back yeah. Down. Yeah. Exactly. So for me, it's a time, it's a very, very, very exciting time. I've been waiting so long for these, you know, this all to kind of happen, this market crash I've been talking about for the last year yeah. is imminent. And I'm just, I'm very excited, you know, because I think it's, it's going to be a time where I'll be able to sit and actually hold things for a very, you know, for the next five years. And I, I think there's going to be so many opportunities that we've, possibly never seen before yeah, in totally all honesty agree. i mean even this you know? bull run for cryptocurrency i mean what it's brought uh i know generational wealth has been made for individuals as young as 16 years old money that's, that's never right. been seen by families or even <laughs> some companies have never seen those kind of gains it's it's absurd yeah. what's going on but i think this wealth gap creation i think there's a time span we have another maybe six six seven years of this kind of maybe five to six years of this kind of like period where this is still possible and after that i do believe the iron curtain is going to close um not only due to regulation but also due to you know every market kind of stabilized at some point and the exploitations yeah. that are occurring now are possible but those who exploit it are usually the ones who bring on the measures for regulations and that's what we see now in the crypto market. The ones who exploited big systems and big kind of loopholes are the ones enforcing mm. the regulations. So from from talks from people in the, in the sphere, uh, you know, five to six years is where we have this gap to actually capitalize on these exploitations yeah. and actually investments. And after that, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. You know, um, I, I, I believe that even after this time, I think things like crypto will still continue upside. I just feel like it will be more of a steady incline, just like Microsoft did, just like Apple did, just like Tesla did, just like all the other stocks from the dot-com era did. Um, you know, like all the internet stocks that, you know, started in 2000, mm -hmm. 1998, uh, yep. whatever it was, 2000 yep. period. Yep. They all did those big pushes. They came back down and then they steadily inclined. And um, people who who were invested heavy at that time, who had capital or had millions of dollars to put into these stocks, did really well over the next, you know, century or two. Um, yeah. I mean, in the next twenty years, you know, they did really well yeah. because those stocks, as you've seen, did not stop going up. No, yeah. But they did it steady. You know, it wasn't exactly some crazy stuff. You know, and and. There were people like us watching it happen and thinking, oh, imagine if you could have bought Microsoft at two dollars. I mean, like, it's 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 people dollar. like us or like our parents even. Mm. I mean, mm. I, I'm, I'm I was young, you know, I, I was born uh, when that dot com bubble was happening, so I can't speak. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a little. Yeah, younger. me too. Yeah. Yeah. But like our parents. I wasn't born, but I was too young to invest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, also same with the reconstruction, the USSR, when all the oligarchs that are now oligarchs bought up all those um, 
huge industries of oil steel production when you know the rubble yeah. actually collapsed in the 1990s and now yeah. they are oligarchs simply for the fact they had the capital and you know exactly you just need capital now and just have a that's why i said before like the rich do get richer the people who yeah. are you know struggling i suppose will struggle hard yeah and i think so unfortunately too. yeah no, I, I definitely do think so and how the world is kind of commencing into this UBI kind of system. Like I'm really, I think that's going to happen with like, there's going to be some sort of equality kind of, they're going to try to seek for equality. Uh, I'm reading yeah. a book now, The Great Narrative by Klaus Schwab. Um, he, po he published this book a couple of months ago or maybe two months ago. And he says that equality is something they're going to be striving for next to sustainability. And inherently mm. what that means is, you know, there's universal basic income, and you know people can do whatever they want but there's still going to be people in control of all of this you know so exactly those are the people. i will never change no exactly so um so then do you think there's a correlation between bitcoin and gold um i don't see a correlation between the two and mm -hmm. i think that's been more evident recently yeah as you can see um gold is a safe haven i just don't think Bitcoin has proved itself to be one yet. Yeah. I still think it has has time. Does that mean that I think it won't be one maybe in the future? I don't. I don't rule that out. Mm -hmm. um, however, yeah, th there's just they, you know, their volatility is very different. Yeah. And you yeah. know, BTC tends tends to be driven by news and rumors, whereas BTC uh, gold, sorry. Is, is different you know it's it doesn't take elon musk saying something for gold to drive you know yeah. so i think there are still you know different some substantial differences yeah. um but at the same time there are similarities as well which it, i think such as you know could well i do see almost like the digital form of of gold being bitcoin to be honest you know, because gold is is quite heavy and you can't really transact it instantly. Okay. Whereas Bitcoin's a bit different. You know, it's it's like a digital form of of an asset, right? right. Um, but yeah, they they just have they have different drivers, and I just think that it's going to take a bit of time for Bitcoin to kind of establish itself as a safe haven. Um, whereas We've seen gold. It, it's performed as a safe haven asset for a very long time now, and yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think there is much of a correlation. No, I don't. Think I think so they're either. very. Yeah. I, I think they're they're quite different. I I do agree, and I, I I personally don't think that Bitcoin could become a safe haven. Um, I might be wrong, and maybe in ten years, but now looking at it. It does yeah, not contend as a safe haven asset in any regard. I mean, look in the in the future, maybe. And and the reason I say this is there's one thing that's been happening recent that's happened recently, and if we, if we look at the financial system, and we see, um, you know, the global system, in terms of the financial system, is run through a network called SWIFT, right? Yeah. So that allows, you know, banks to make, to connect to any banks, make transactions between banks around the world, right? Yeah. SWIFT is owned and controlled by the US and the EU. 
Yeah. Okay. So now Russia was cut off from the SWIFT system. Yep. And from that, they do lose billions of dollars from their own national reserves. Yes. US and EU seize those reserves. Okay. Yeah. Now that's the first time reserves have been seized in this way. So we know due to COVID that 40% of the entire dollars in existence was printed. Okay. Yeah. Just, just during COVID, like, which is insane. So therefore the knock-on effect, which we're seeing now is inflation globally, right? Yes. That leads to other countries that hold US reserves under their reserves, losing value to their money due to in, in, in inflation. So that, like, you know, that pre kind of printing, they would have had X amount and now it's worth a lot less. Yes. Okay. So obviously the risk is increased. So now you have, uh, you know, a, a financial system that the EU and uh, the US, because of opposing views, can just take from you. They can seize it. Yeah. And you have a, con- a currency that's being de- debased, so it's losing value, right? Yeah. So what's happening is that countries w- might want to look for an alternative, okay? Now, an alternative, like I said before, would be gold. However, there's a problem. Gold's heavy. Gold, you can't move it, you know? Um, I mean, you can, but it's hard, right? These countries need reserve currencies that have like that can make transactions like instantly, like really quick. Correct. That like, and they need to be liquid so that they can be moved from, you know, A to B instantly, like very quickly. So the next alternative apart from gold is digital gold. And I said before, I see that being Bitcoin, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and you'll see that I think the next opportunity for Bitcoin in the market is that the nations start to buy Bitcoin because of what's happened in Russia because of inflation. And, and when you think about it, all the prices of Bitcoin have suddenly started to drop and I see them dropping more. Okay. So my thoughts are, when you think about it, nations do not want to buy high. They want to buy low. Okay. This is yeah. just a thought. All right. So when Bitcoin gets to 10,000 or 8,000 and 3,000, I think there's going to be a big accumulation period because all these nations, what I, I hope I'm right, want to start buying up these, you know, Bitcoin I mean, and El Salvador and, did buy stuff Bitcoin, like that. So yeah. Yeah. Nation, yeah. So yeah. they'll start, they start buying up Bitcoin because, and then over time, the price will go back up. But the reason, the other thing is, is you're looking at, it's, it is a currency pretty much like you can buy things with BTC, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Like I can go and buy something online with BTC if I wanted. Right. Yeah. But the The thing is, is really slow. Yeah. And the transaction fees are really high. Yeah. Well, I think that all these things are going to start to change. Um, however, you've got a currency, supposedly a currency that, um, gets halved every four years. So the supply is limited. And then you have, like I was mentioning before the U S dollar, that's getting printed trillions at a time. Yeah. So like, there are some big things to see, like in, in the overall picture, whether the transaction might be a little bit slow or whatever it is, it still can be done quickly. It's it's still quicker than than gold, 
but the value of it is still going to be better as long as there is a demand for it. Yeah, I, I think there's also other solutions and this might, uh, you know, uh, no, there's other solutions, for example, such as Ripple or Stellar, where there's ledgers in between uh, banks where they just instantly mm. send money over and that takes like three seconds and it's there, you know, and that is also something that mm. can replace the SWIFT system because that is what Ripple, in fact, is advocating that there there's going to be CBDCs implemented between the governments. So yeah. those are uh, digital tokens, the digital dollar, the digital euro, and those can be sent on a ledger from a ledger to another ledger in a matter of seconds mm -hmm. in, instead of like Swift, which takes a couple of days in Europe yes. at least. So I do see that That's implementation right. happening. Uh, will Bitcoin take that place? I do not think so. But maybe mm. being the first coin, you know, being the first crypto, it could be the digital gold kind of scene, as you as you said. Yeah, and, and I do. I, I'm a big like, I love Bitcoin. I, I am a big believer in Bitcoin. Mm. I know a lot of people disagree with me and that's OK, but I am a very big believer in Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency. Um, and even I, I strongly think even if there are regulations put onto this kind of space, I don't think that's going to stop the price from pushing up. I don't think that Bitcoin's going to go to zero and be worthless. No. no. I mean, maybe in the next 50 years. I, I don't know. But what I do, I, I'm a strong believer in like in, in Bitcoin and Ripple and, and those things because I do see, I feel the future does hold a lot of this. Yeah, you no, know, I, I, I think I it's totally going to be a big agree. part of our lives. I totally agree. And I think what's happening right now is like, first of all, it's an unregulated market. So uh, bear in mind, you know, everything that goes on is purely manipulated. And this sell off mm -hmm. from 69,000, you know, their institutions need to take profits. They need to drive the prices super low in order to get the, to buy. Like you said, the countries have to buy them and then they're going to drive the price back up. It's going to happen. It's we know it's going to happen because every single market works like that even the forex market works like that you know banks yeah they sell high and they buy low you know exactly so, and and you know what like it's going to be funny because as bitcoin drops everyone and i promise you everyone that you see on the street is going to say to you oh crypto's a scam look what it did dead. look at the volatility crypto's there yeah, crypto's yeah, yeah. dead this yeah. and that like that is the time i get the most excited because i'm That's literally going to be just staking and staking and staking over the next two years into Bitcoin, into Ripple, in, in, into Ethereum. I don't care what anyone says. I will continue buying. Yeah. As it drops, I will just load up more and more and more because I do see the and I will hold for a long time because I do see it being a big part of the future. Yeah. And it is the people that close their eyes out of fear when the, these big, volatile drops happen that end up missing out and kicking themselves later just like every other digital or whatever every other phenomena that has come into place the dot-com era everything people doubted that people doubted the internet people thought the internet was so stupid it was like a scam yeah like the email every, like, everything like it was yeah some, yeah voodoo stuff yeah yeah, like people literally thought that period was just bonkers. Yeah. And it was the yeah. ones that just kept buying and buying, going, this is the future, this is the future. NFTs, this, this is all the future. And it's just, you can't let the noise get to your mind. No, exactly. You know, so, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Exactly. It's pretty funny because I remember two years ago when I was in university, 
um, they were telling us before the bull run that, you know, don't buy Bitcoin, don't buy on these assets. They're really risky assets. You know, essentially, of course, I don't listen to those people, but uh, it's funny how now in university they're telling us, oh, yeah, for those that did buy, you know, don't forget to file your taxes. You know, taxes are so important. Don't evade the taxes. <laughs> so, you know, the old system is like the old people, they're like kind of they're hating on it, but they can't really accept the fact that it's going to be the future. Well, That's not right. The future and, and we've seen it before. Will, will be implemented into the future somehow. Definitely. I mean, I can't believe there's something called the metaverse now where you've got oh, <laughs> literally the world becoming digital. Do I think that's going to be a big part of our lives? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, if we're you know, if land, companies, then... companies, CEOs of companies are buying land to open their shops and stores, like there's a clothing brand called Pretty Little Thing, right? It's one of the biggest fast retail trains out there. Yeah. And uh, it's like a fast fashion retail train. And, and they're, literally have an office space where you can go and see the new collection and walk in and talk to someone to help you with your orders and all this crap like it, it's happening That's whether bizarre. you want to accept it or not it, it's happening and whether there's a reason be behind why like, this is happening we'll i'm sure we'll find out or, or we'll come to realize later but i'm sure there is so it's something that yeah i'm looking at land on the metaverse yeah, land in metaverse, I think, will be um, quite expensive. But, you know, we don't necessarily need to understand the reasoning because this kind of par paradigm or yeah. shift, you know, it just has to happen and then people will catch up. I think what we're talking about right now is probably some alien Uvu Java thing that somebody <laughs> who's listening to this is like, what are they talking about? Why would they even be discussing this in 2022? But if they look back at it in 2030, they'd be like, okay, these guys actually had a point. How did they get to this? Mm, so, exactly. I think that's how exactly. it kind of goes. I mean, yeah, we're just a little not ahead of the curve, but, you know, we just understand what's going on a bit. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything you want to add on Bitcoin or can uh, I go back to gold? Um, We can go back to gold. Buy Bitcoin when it goes to three. Three to eight grand or ten grand, just keep buying. That's yeah, all I have to say. <laughs> sub ten K, I totally see that happening. Just and buy up. Ethereum sub three hundred dollars. Oh, 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 I can't wait. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> hey, so you, you talked me excited. about honestly, yeah. I mean, same when this market crash <laughs> happened the last couple of days, yo, some good days of my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, still can't imagine that mentors told people to buy the Pico top of Bitcoin. Imagine telling people that it will go to 100k at 69,000 after it ran. Oh, heaps of people did. Oh, that's, that's Every sad. everyone I know that like isn't in this industry has told me they're in net big losses on crypto. But, but you like, know, that's oh thing. my god! But that's the thing. Like, look, what I don't understand about people like you hear stories like, oh, I tried Bitcoin and it didn't work out for me. Yeah, you tried mainstream media. Like, have you never yeah, just exactly. reflected on the mistakes you've made? Like, I think people just don't do. You want to know something funny? I do. Yeah. Sorry, it just no, it just yeah, came ahead. to mind. Go ahead. It came to mind. I was out in just like this suburb. Yeah. It was summer. It was last summer. I had just come from the beach and I was looking for food, and a bus drove past saying, "Buy Bitcoin now." Oh god. With an exchange, it was a massive thing, oh, and I god. literally looked at it and i said bitcoin is going to die because it i'm now up. seeing posters yeah i'm literally seeing posters on 
buy Bitcoin. Yeah. Like this was last November, December-ish like yeah. time. That, yeah. How funny that just literally came to my mind. That's crazy. And we look had, what happened. We, we had trams, we had trams with Shiba Inu posters to buy the Shiba Inu in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely bizarre. <laughs> yeah that's oh my gosh it's crazy it is crazy but that, that's the thing people never sit down and just reflect on like a mistake they made they were like oh, okay doom, doom, doom. we tried it didn't yeah. work out now you know what? Yeah. I'll, I'll let it go for four years and then they buy the peak exactly. again four years later and then it's exactly it's just baffling it's so it's not exactly. even that hard like if you think about it, it's not even that difficult you just gotta actually take something serious for once in your life and not just mess around with it yeah for but sure i think that's hard for most people so i'm not gonna say yeah. anything else about that um true that so what are your takes for the coming quarters on gold if you're willing to share for the people out there what are some levels you have in mind what are some things you have in mind for gold in the coming quarters what do you think the unraveling of events will be i'm just looking at gold now i there are a few things i mean like whether we keep ranging between this 1800 level and 1900 like between you know those i mean it is a big range to consider but it is something that can happen um is something to consider but the biggest thing for me right now is we are at that pivotal mark of um 1800 and 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 that's a price that i would need to see break to see some more downside um for the time being i mean i like pretty much took a took a buy off that that low yesterday that was um <clears throat> made at 0506 um i'm not holding things because as you know i am a scalper but uh do i think it will break yes i do i think i think tonight's an fomc sort of uh meeting I'm not um sure. it could be so yeah so i think they're going to be talking about interest rates and there might be a hike again so i do think that if if that's the case, we will see a break of 1800. And then I'm going to be looking definitely towards 1780, 1760 mark. Yeah. Um, below 1780, definitely looking at 1760 mark. Um, that will be my next kind of pivotal area. Um, in terms of upside, do I still see 1900, 1920 possible? Yes, I do. Before another big drop, I do see 1920 being a possibility. But for now, I'm, I'm, as we're at the lows um, around 1810-ish, I think we are, um, or 1817 currently, um, I do think there is a big possibility, especially like just looking at the daily chart right now. Yeah, uh, I'm seeing it's inevitable we're going to be going to do to see some more downside today and tomorrow, and I think the driver will definitely be the interest rates. Um, gold doesn't particularly perform well under high interest rates when interest rates get increased or anything like that, it tends to, to, to drop back a lot and, and, and dump quite a bit. So, um, I mean, we've seen some crazy moves in the last few days. We saw literally on, on a Monday, like literally on a Monday, I think like six, 700 pips be done. Yeah. Um, it, it, it did, what did it do? Like 1880 down to 1805, like 
literally 700 pips in a day was done. So um, that's That's insane insane. to me. Like it's absolutely, it's amazing. I mean, the opportunities are, and 1780 was such an easy sell as well. So it was a key level. Um, And I'd mentioned it to my, to my discord channel, like my group. Um, 1780 as in you mean to buy not a sell no to uh, sorry 1880 sorry yeah yeah i get confused no, yeah no, it no, was no. a really it was a strong um i see uh, resistance it level is, that yeah. 7680 level yeah um so to see that sell off i mean i didn't i didn't catch it because i was actually not on the charts that day because we had a public holiday so i was like um take the day off i literally over my phone to 700 pips worth of profits that i missed i was like oh, oh yeah, um but that's a bummer. yeah and i don't expect that stuff to happen on a monday but it did um and that was just the knock-on effect from last friday uh cpi and, and stuff like that um so i think um and, and the treasury yields as well so I, I think there is definitely, by just literally looking at the daily chart, there is more downside that is about to happen. I think we are going to break through that 1800 quite easily after that news gets released. Um, even looking at the daily chart, not even uh, pretty much not even a lower wick. If you look at most daily chart, like if you look at daily candles, you'll see almost every single daily candle has a wick. So that wick's going to be formed. And from where it price currently is, is is a good 100 pips. So, um, yeah, there's definitely sells on the card for today. I'm seeing it really clearly. Um, but, yeah, let's see if 1800 can we, we can break through. And I think we'll get the we'll get the driver during this FOMC meeting. All right. I really appreciate the insight of uh, the levels and what's going on. Really do appreciate that. No so problem. For everyone out there, definitely take notes because uh, these are not uh, tips that Vian usually gives out for free. So <laughs> take good note, guys. Enjoy, guys. Yeah. Hopefully you can all catch this big sell-off. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, on my side, I've covered everything I wanted to talk about. Uh, let me know, is there anything you would still want to touch upon? Be it gold or the economy or something that the people out there should look out for? Uh, not really. I think we covered everything. I we think did. we did good today. We really we covered did. a lot of points. The economy, gold, Bitcoin, everything. Everything interesting to everyone. So exactly. good I, hope, I, I hope everyone enjoys the... Um, the podcast and they get some nice insight about what's going on in the world at the moment same same i do uh think this is a good like um continuation of what we did last year so for the basics guys you can definitely check out that podcast where we talk about emotions and journaling and all those things and in this one we've got more an insight of uh the world situation so sounds good thank you so much for today thank you very much for uh coming on really appreciate it Thank you, as always. Great. So for everyone out there, uh, stay tuned. There's more podcasts to come. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. And on this note, take care and goodbye.